I'm Gina Luna, and this is HXTV, championing Houston's innovators and entrepreneurs. Brought to you by PKF Texas, CPAs and advisors, servicing Houston's innovators for over 15 years. My special guest today is Blair Guru, the co-founder and managing director of Mercury Fund. Blair, it's great to have you on HXTV. It's long overdue. Thanks. I'm glad to finally get on board. I think everybody in Houston knows you, but in case <laughs> there's someone that doesn't, let's start with your background. Tell me about Blair Guru. Sure. So, real briefly, grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, um, so I'm part Yankee, um, but then went to middle school and high school in North Carolina, went to Washington and Lee for college. And that's where I met my current wife, uh, Amy Guru. Um, met her on the campus there. I went to work for Deloitte, working with tech companies in DC. And my wife got into vet school. And so I figured I would follow the beauty and the brains and come to Houston, <laughs> at least for while she finished vet school. And then when I got here, um, I started working in investment banking and was in the energy sector. But not coming from the energy sector or growing up around it, when oil hit $10 a barrel, I found myself and the team pitching a lot of ideas that just didn't have a lot of merit at that point. And um, at that point in time, I really wanted to get back into tech. You know, mm -hmm. I had been in the tech group at Deloitte, and there was an organization starting called the Houston Technology Center. And so I started volunteering my time doing PowerPoints and putting Excel models together for a number of startups started working with them. Eventually they offered me a job, so I was one of the first paid employees there, and, and that really changed the course of, of my career. Um, while I was there, I formed a group of angel investors, which is now known as the Houston Angel Network, and then I also met an individual by the name of Paul Hobby that a lot of people know, and Paul and some of his friends were putting together a venture fund, and he pulled me out to be an associate with that fund. And I like to say that they taught me a lot about venture capital, but they taught me more about operations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Gina, we've had this talk before. I learned a lot about venture capital, I think, from empathy, about actually being in the company. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we did at Genesis Park is I would put a business plan together about why we'd invest. One of my partners would take the board seat, and then I would launch into the company in an operations role, mm -hmm. whether that was head of marketing, you know, CFO. And then the last company I jumped into was a company called Intermat, where I was the CEO and helped turn that company around, and we sold it to IHS before IHS went public. And after that, I had a decision. I could have gone on with IHS and helped with product strategy, mm -hmm. which is where they wanted me to focus, or I could join a friend of mine, Dan Watkins, and launch a venture fund. So in the meantime, while I was doing HTC, Dan Watkins had helped launch his Rice's Commercialization Center, the Rice Alliance, mm -hmm. which now everyone knows is the largest business plan competition in the world and puts on a lot of great events here locally. Dan had built a relationship with Draper Fisher Jurvetson. He asked me to join him and we launched our first fund, uh, DFJ Mercury. And over the last 15 years, we've, uh, we still have great relationships with DFJ, but we're now an independent fund, Mercury Fund and we have just over 300 million under management, and we invest in entrepreneurs that are focused on the issues that plague the industries that are strong in the middle of the country. How do you make industries like manufacturing and oil and gas and real estate and insurance more competitive and more efficient with their coastal counterparts and their global counterparts? So talk about Mercury Fund and the evolution, um, you know, from the time you and Dan came together to what you are today. To yeah. yeah, so our first fund, we focused 
very broadly. We focused on life sciences, physical sciences, and software. Mm -hmm. And over time, while a lot of those life science and physical sciences did well or will do well, um, what we found is it wasn't congruent in building those types of businesses versus building a business in enterprise software. Mm -hmm. And so we saw that the enterprise software deals that we did not only performed well, but those skill sets could really scale up a venture fund. Mm -hmm. So in our previous fund, we moved to being all software, and we also moved from being seed investors to Series A investors. Mm -hmm. What we found was there's a lot of angel investors and smaller VCs who were investing in these companies throughout the middle of the country. But what we were really good at is helping build enterprise software companies, mm -hmm. SaaS companies, software as a service, uh, cloud companies, and then something that my partner is uniquely good at, which is data science. Mm -hmm. And so one of the differentiators of our fund is not only helping to build these companies, but my partner about a year ago um, brought in our chief data scientist, Angela Wilkins, who was at Baylor and had worked on the DARPA Simplex project as well as the IBM Watson Life Sciences project. She started consulting with us, but then she and Dan built a group we call Mercury Data Science. And we find that in the middle of the country, a lot of companies who are working with corporations are trying to solve their biggest problems, and one of their problems is efficiency, and it's around autonomy. Mm -hmm. How do they use data science and AI to digitally transform their businesses and move it forward? But the companies we were investing in, whether they were in Detroit or Cincinnati or Denver or Houston, they had a hard time finding these data scientists. So Dan and Angela formed this consultancy, which is apart from Mercury, and they now work with lots of our portfolio companies, and it's been a real differentiator for us. Let's go back in time. Uh, tell me what year it was when you took that volunteer role at HTC. Uh, 1998. 1998. So those would be the early seeds of Houston's innovation ecosystem. You know, they were. Um, I had to get educated quickly, not being native, uh, and really not being an entrepreneur either, right? But um, Hark, uh, you know, that George Mitchell had started mm -hmm. in the Woodlands, I remember people telling me, hey, the Houston Area Research uh, Council, I, I believe it was, um, that was really the first model uh, of anything in Houston. And then the Houston Technology Center was essentially, okay, let's not make this be Woodland specific, let's do greater mm -hmm. Houston area. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a lot of fun, met so many people. I was in my mid-late 20s at that point, and uh, the world in Houston was, was the oyster. Yes. I think we've seen a real resurgence of energy and enthusiasm around this in the last couple of years. Um, we'll call it, you and I started the conversation, I think, in 2014. Right. So let's go back to the time when we had that conversation about what was going on in Houston. And, the famous and bus ride in the Santa The famous Fe. bus ride. Right. <laughs> And, and talk about what you've seen, you know, from, let's call it, late 2014 to now. Yeah, and so I'll, I'll even take it back a little bit more. Um, earlier, around 2012, um, I had helped to co-found a group called Surge. Mm -hmm. And Surge was an accelerator focused on energy software. And Kurt Coburn was our leader, and he really built a great platform, which was like a tech stars for energy. Mm -hmm. But when the oil downturn came, uh, the oil and gas companies had a lot of problems they needed to deal with, and they weren't looking to fund a program like that or be active. And so Kirk put that program on ice, and I think that's about the time that we had mm -hmm. talked. Right before you and I chatted, we saw something emerging throughout all these cities in the middle of the country where we operate, and there were these co-working accelerators where what was driving an ecosystem to be successful 
was around density of entrepreneurs where they could learn from each other mm -hmm. rather than just a university which was spitting out technology or spitting out talent. And Houston at that point didn't really have a co-working center. And so I, along with a couple of people, uh, Emily Keaton, Grace Rodriguez, and then John Reale, started a group called Station Houston. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to, you know, talking to you about it and the Greater Houston Partnership and saying, hey, this is really the wave of the future um, around how things have happened. And uh, at that point in time, probably about six months later, Mark Toon, a friend of mine, mm -hmm. launched Canon mm -hmm. and with the exact same model, just one west of Houston. And both of those models have really emerged at being two of the core ecosystems, you know, for kind of growth. But the other model that we saw work really well was if you have startup development organizations, whether it's a TMC accelerator or a station or a Canon, they still can't do it on their own. Right. They need venture capital, they need talent, they need political help and know-how and civic help, and that's kind of when you and I chatted. That's right. So we launched, we started some more structured conversation around yep. this topic, I think in 2016 yep. in earnest, yep. and launched our strategic plan in June 2017. So almost two years ago two now, years. Uh, HX has been officially around about 18 months. So how do you assess our, our progress? What was exciting about launching Houston Exponential was the fact that everyone was on the same page. Mm -hmm. And the 20 years that I've been here and watching the tech community have its fits and starts, um, we've never had the corporate community, you know, led by the Greater Houston Partnership, the university community, you know, led by U of H, Rice, TSU, and others, um, the entrepreneurial community, uh, all these groups saying we have to do something. Mm -hmm. And I think our timing was right, right, Gina, because digital transformation started sure. flowing through the energy industries and they wanted. They wanted change. Right. right. They wanted us to be more of an innovation hub. And there was a lot more pull lot rather more than pull. just push. Yeah, because for years we would have these discussions and it would be two to three hundred people talking about it, but then it became much larger. And so if you think about what Houston Exponential did was it brought everyone together. You know, Accenture was kind enough to come in and give us a report on best practices around mm -hmm. what we needed to do. And I, I tell people that report had forty things we had to do. Right. And, and, and you and Bob Harvey said, no, no, no you got to distill it down. Let's, let's make it 10. People <laughs> Most can remember people thought 10. we were crazy for 10, we're much for less crazy. 40. But if you look at the last two years, we have launched and or have started um, five or six out of those 10. And three we've actually completed. Mm -hmm. Things like launching the Strategy Center, which is Houston Exponential. Right. Launching a fund of funds, which is the HX Venture Fund, which is you know, closed on $30 million already and will close on more. Um, things like let's find a, uh, an ecosystem center, mm -hmm. right? And so a tech and innovation center, which the ION will, will become. And you know, I've talked to many people saying, well, is HX doing enough? And what I try to tell them is this. Think of the startup development organizations, Canon Station, TMCX, TXRX. They're fighting the ground war. Mm -hmm. They are dealing with the day in, day out entrepreneurs and understanding their needs. Um, HX is there for long-term viability and vision. So the projects we do at HX, you may not see the change in the city for years to come, mm -hmm. but it has to be there. Well, and I think, you know, Again, I, I talk about it in much of the same way. We, we should do the things that no single entity can do for the ecosystem. Can do it by themselves, right? And sometimes those things aren't visible, and that's okay. You yeah. know, part, helping create partnerships that turn out great programs for talent or, um, you know, bringing 
resources to Houston, all the work I think around that Jamie Roots's committee has done oh, yeah. on recruiting companies. I mean, they've made, you know, multiple trips to Silicon Valley and other places to proactively talk about why companies should be in Houston. That's not necessarily visible and it's not something you talk about a lot as an achievement, but it's really important, I think, to the overall effort of building the ecosystem. Yeah, when you have a bill.com suddenly appear, or a neuro or others open up ma massive secondary offices, you know, a lot of times people don't put two and two together, but all that is going on behind the scenes, or mass challenge, you know, suddenly mm -hmm. announces, hey, we're, we're here and we're taking uh, applications. So, uh, and I think a lot of people will be excited about stuff that's, that's yet to happen over the next six to 12 months. I think there's a, a lot of exciting things ahead. So, um, talk about, in your mind, what, what do you think are the priorities not necessarily just for HX, but for our our ecosystem development efforts and to continue the momentum over the next couple of years. Yeah, you know, one in particular was one that we talked about about nine, 12 months ago at HX, and that was talent. Mm -hmm. I think we underestimated the talent need in these companies. And everyone always talks about talent more from a software engineering or data science perspective, but talent just in marketing, sales, and customer success. Mm -hmm. You know, when we invest in a company that then is followed on by larger growth equity, 20, 30 million in a later stage round, once that growth equity hits the company, they're gonna go from 20 employees to 100 very quickly. Mm -hmm. But where they scale is they scale in marketing and sales and customer success, not as much as the software engineer. You right. need that to start. And so identifying that, and then the work that Patrick Schneidau has done to work with U of H on the, you know, the sales education center and the leadership center there has, I think, been truly extraordinary and hopefully we can kind of continue that mm -hmm. and so I think we're focusing on talent I, I like to see more time from the startup development organizations going into education uh, where the education not only to the entrepreneur but around K through 12 and college right. level like how can we make an impact there we hear about that a lot um, but then after talent it's capital if you can build the companies and you have to fund the companies and it's exciting to see what's happening with HX Venture Fund um, and so helping getting that started and working with Guillermo Borda, who is the, uh, the managing partner there, you know, he and I have talked to over 50 venture funds, 40 of which who have visited Houston mm -hmm. over the last six months, not even 12 months, and that'll continue. And I think one of the things that needs to happen is as those companies visit, we need to drive them through immersion programs to get them active in the community. Right. To show that that activity is going to be how they get capital from mm -hmm. HXVF. Well, and I think that's another, you know, important role that HX can play is to continue to help drive that activity, exactly. make sure when they come here they have a great experience, they see the right the right kinds of companies, the right institutions yeah. in Houston and that we continue to build on that momentum. I think as exciting as all these companies or venture funds coming from outside, we continue to see more and more family offices focused on you know venture investing. Yeah. Some of the private equity firms are carving off a piece yeah. to focus on venture. And then there's a host that are opening an office here or starting a fund here. And so I think all those things will continue to you know, build over time. Yeah, absolutely, all together. And I know people will look back and they'll look at the, um, uh, the stats, right? You know, the pitch book stats or the PwC Money Tree stats, and they'll say how much capital is actually being invested in Houston. And uh, one of the things I've constantly said there is um, 
that is one data point, but the key thing is at those early stages, a lot of times, angel investors or family offices, they won't register the data right. with the appropriate services. Yeah. We do, because we're a venture fund and they know how to reach us, but all those groups, and so I don't think we're going to see the data improve for probably a couple more quarters, you know, for all that. I think that forward. is so true, and I've seen that often with entrepreneurs and, and you know, people in the community that I talk to. They're writing checks, and nobody's reporting that. To well, it's private, right? They don't want to That's disclose right. that data. <laughs> Which is fine. We want them to continue to write those checks and, yep. and fund those entrepreneurs. So, well, we, we could talk all day, clearly. Uh, but it's great to have you. I want to say thank you for all you have done and continue to do for the Houston ecosystem and for entrepreneurs. Um, and I feel like we're going to be sitting here in five years giving each other a big high five. Well, we need to do another bus trip in Santa Fe. That's right. And look back and say, hey, look. That's see right. all we accomplished. I so look forward to it's that. It's been great. And that wraps up my discussion with Blair Guru, co-founder and managing director of Mercury Fund. I'm Gina Luna, and this is HXTV.